Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, we are continuing our series today called The Blessing. Somebody say The Blessing. Look across the room of somebody that you haven't laid eyes on before. Look at them and say, you're blessed. Come on, I know that's so awkward. Do it to someone else. Come on. Come on, get out of your comfort zone. Just look at somebody and say you're blessed again right now. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, this this has been a fun series. I'm not going to lie. I knew I was going to preach this series this year, but I've just been putting it on the back burner the whole year. Like, I really have. I've just been kind of like, man, I just can't get into it. But as I've dug into this topic and what we've covered the last couple of weeks, like always, whenever you get into the Word, the Word gets into you, right? And it has just become so alive to me, this incredible thing that God has given us called the blessing. And last week, we talked about the priestly blessing and how Jesus is the priestly blessing over us, right? The Lord keep us. Come on, the Lord be gracious to us. Let His face shine upon us and give us peace. Jesus fulfilled all that. The week before that, we, we just talked about blessing in general and how we were blessed from the beginning. God created us in this context. And today I want to talk about the double blessing. Someone say double blessing. Some, now, that, what that doesn't mean is if you give $5 in the offering today, you're going to open your Chase app and there's going to be $10. I'm not going to make those kind of promises today. Uh, I, I'm not that slick or whatever you would call it, but I want to to talk about something that goes way beyond material things today when we talk about the blessing. And I, and I think that that blessings can be material things, and oftentimes they are. We see this in Abraham. However, they are not limited to, ble- to things. Come on. In fact, the, the things that you're most blessed with are not things. They're people. <laughs> Come on. They're relationships. They're your salvation. Come on. There's every spiritual gift that's in Christ that we've been talking about. Um, what I do want to share with you today, I, I want to give you, a, you to give me a little bit of grace because what I share today might come across a little puffy. Okay. Is that, is that all right? And I don't want to be a puffy preacher. Come on. I don't want to be full of pride, but, but, but I want it, I want you to give me a little grace and look through the lens of, of, as your pastor is my whole body of work, right? Not just a, a single message because I, I want to teach today with relentless honesty, is that okay? Can I just be relentlessly honest with you today and just give me the grace and, and I'll, I'll be gracious in the way Pastor Leslie's like grabbing her seat like, oh no, what, what's he about to say? So um, the message that I'm going to share today, some of the seeds were actually planted in my heart about 18 years ago whenever I got this revelation of really what I believe the double portion is. And uh, seriously, 18 years ago, and I, I ran into a pastor I knew I was going to be preaching this theme during this series, these ideas, and I ran into a pastor that was in a room that I preached it probably 16, 17 years ago, and I remember the moment. Uh, he wasn't a pastor at the time. He was just a teenager. He was going through a, a program called Master's Commission, and he came up to me. We were, we were in Mexico with a bunch of pastors, and he came up to me, and he said, I still remember that message that you preached, and, and, and I said, I remembered the moment of him coming and me praying for him at the end of service. And I remember how intense it was. And he's like, I've preached that message like 10 times. He's probably preached it more than I have. And, uh, and he's like, it just totally transformed my life. I'm not saying that to be puffy. I'm just saying that, that sometimes revelation will sow a seed and that seed grows. And sometimes you don't even know what's growing. And so it's been growing and it, it, it was really encouraging. But I, I wanna talk about the double portion 
in this way, that it's the succession of blessing. Everybody say the succession of blessing. See, the, the blessings in your life, you, because you were blessed to be a blessing, the blessings in your life are meant to be passed down from one generation to another. So in the old covenant, there was a, a law that was, that was specific for the oldest child that they would get a double portion. They would get double what the other kids did. So this is where we get this idea of double portion. Now, it didn't always happen that way. Sometimes the second born got it, right? We see people go after this blessing. Why? It's not just things. It's also what we've talked about before, about this declaration, about this favor. And so we see this succession through bless, of blessing throughout the scriptures, right? I mean, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which eventually led to Jesus. So we see this, this long succession of blessing all the way down to Jesus. We see it from Moses to Joshua. I mean, Moses was blessed. We talk about Moses all the time, but Moses didn't inherit the land. It was Joshua. Joshua received the blessing that, that was passed down through Moses, right? Um, and it, it says this about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says, all the, the, the earth, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So I believe, because as new covenant believers, come on, we are brought into the covenant of Abraham of being God's children, that, that we should have a, we should be a, a highway, if you will, for the blessings of God. So God, we've said this, God's blessings are meant to go through you. And when it goes through you, it gets on you right? But it's not all for your enjoyment. It's for your empowerment, right? And so the blessings should come through us. So we see this incredible picture all throughout the scripture. You see it with Paul and Timothy. I want you to look at this, the blessings flowing through. Now, again, blessing, we're not necessarily talking about physical things, although it can include that. Tracking. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. Now, when he says you have one spiritual father, he's not talking about God the Father. He's talking about himself. For I came to, I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So he's telling Timothy, you're my spiritual son because I preached the word to you. I discipled you. Now you're leading a church. You're my son in the faith. So I urge you to imitate me. Now, you run into young men that are like 22, 18, and they don't want to be like their parents. They want, to, they want to blaze their own path. Can I tell you that that's foolish? Because what happens is you give it about another 20 years, then you realize how much you want to be like your parent. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass my dad's in the room today. I don't want to embarrass him. Now I'm like to the point where I'm like, man, what would my dad do? I want to be like my dad. But you don't think that when you're a teenager. You just want to be like you. Like much, mo, mo, most of our culture right now, just be me, affirm me, affirm me. But what's, what's lacking is you're not receiving, by you being you, you're not receiving the portion that belongs to you. You can actually reject it by trying to be so caught up in your own identity. Bear with me. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent you Timothy. Now he's talking about his spiritual son, but he's also talking about the spiritual family 
of the Corinthians church, and he's saying this, I'm your spiritual father. So he said, I'm telling you, imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my spiritual son, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus. So this is spiritual inheritance. He has a family, and then he has a son, and the son is raising the family because he's he doesn't have a lot of time left. Just as I teach in all the churches everywhere I go. So he's saying that there is a pattern here of spiritual family where I produce sons and sons produce sons. And so this is what it's been like from the beginning. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you okay? Now that word right there when he says this, he, he says you have many teachers this translation says uh, you have, yeah, others to teach you about Christ. The NIV says you have many teachers, but not many fathers. It uses the word fathers, plural there. So you have many teachers. In other words, it's like today. You can get on YouTube and you can watch any preacher, a preacher that'll do a lot better job than your pastor will. Probably. I'm just being real. They'll teach on things that I'm way better at teaching at, right? You have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers, the problem is, is when people surround themselves with just teachers and they don't have fathers, they don't replicate what a father can give them. All they get is head knowledge. And so then what they have is they don't have any of the discipline. They don't have any of the context to contain the knowledge they're experiencing and apply it to their life. So what you get is you get a bunch of puffy people with a whole lot of knowledge, but they don't know how to get anything done. So that, that word teachers is actually like a tutor, a guardian. Someone that, someone that would be hired in by the family to come in and, and teach the kid how to do the dishes, to do the job of a father. And what we're lacking, and you could say mother here if you would like, if that makes you feel better. What we're lacking in America, what we're lacking in the church is fathers. That's what we're lacking. But you've also got to have good sons. There's also the role of a son. And that's where I want to spend most of our focus today. So, the passage, the, the story I want to share from today was, is from Elijah and Elisha. Everybody say Elijah and Elisha. How many of y'all get those two confused all the time? I do too. So this is the way I remember it. Elijah is before Elisha and J comes before S. There you go. Now you know. That's a little trick for you. Been, what have you learned in the ministry over the last 30 years? I've learned that Elijah came before Elisha because the alphabet has helped me out. All right. So the, the story starts right here in 1 Kings chapter 19. And Elisha is plowing 12 yoke of oxen. Not one yoke of oxen, 12. He's blessed. Right? So he's out there, he's plowing. And this prophet comes down, this prophet named Elijah. And he shows up and he takes off his coat and he throws it on Elisha. And when he does that, that's an invitation for him to follow him. So it says that he does that. Then I guess he walks off and he chases him down. And he says, listen, I want to follow you. I'm going to say goodbye to my family. And I'm going to burn the plows and I'm going to sacrifice all the oxen and I'll be right here. And so that's what he does. He goes and he, he, he goes and he burns the plows. He kills the oxen. He feeds his parents. He tells everybody goodbye and he follows Elijah for at least the next six years, just following him. And it says this, that he became his attendant. <laughs> Such a funny word, attendant. I'm just here to attend. He had one purpose in his life, to attend this man named Elijah. 
So at the end of Elijah's life in 2 Kings chapter 2, it tells us this, that, that Elijah is about to go away. He's about to die. He's not actually going to die. God's actually going to take him up in a whirlwind. And this is what it says in, in 2 Kings chapter 1. It says that he's about to be taken up. The Lord's about to take him to heaven. And what's going to happen? Well, his spiritual son is there with him. And so they go from uh, Gilgal to Bethel. And there's a group of prophets there. And they say, hey, we know because they're prophets. <laughs> they're like, don't you know that... Elijah's going to go up into a world. He's going to be gone. God's going to take him. Don't you know that? He's like, yeah, I know. Of course he knows. He's a prophet. So he's like, yeah. He's like, I know, but don't say anything about it. He's like, just be quiet about it, right? You don't want to know that. The person that's important to you, that you've been serving, that you've been doing life with, that you've been following, that you've been going along together with. You don't want to know that that person is, is going to be gone. I mean, you don't want to talk about it, right? You might know it, but you don't, you don't want to be reminded of the fact and so what's interesting is Elijah makes this statement to Elisha. He says, listen, he says, I'm going to go because he knows also, and you stay here. And what Elisha says is, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow you. So we see this. We see this from Gilgal to Bethel. And when they're in Bethel, the same thing happens right here. Chapter two, verse five in second Kings. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Again, this is the exact same conversation with a, with a group of prophets. Of course I know, Elisha answered. Yeah, I'm a prophet too. But be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Now we know that the Jordan River is the place of transition. But, but again, Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to absorb as much as I can. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of, pro group of prophets also uh, went and watched, get this, from a distance. Now they were kind of in on it, but but they were spectating. How I many you know you don't get a double portion by spectating? Oh, we'll, we'll go there in a minute. As Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River, River, then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it, and the river divided, and the two men walked, went across on dry ground. So the Jordan, the place of transition, here they go together on dry ground from the mantle the cloak of Elijah. Verse nine, when they came on the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? You've been doing all this stuff for me. What can I do for you? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share or a double portion of your spirit and be your successor. I wanna follow in your shoes. I want to do what you've been doing, but I need what's on your life to be on my life. Can I have it? You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. But if you see me when I'm taken from you, 
then you will get your request. But if not, <laughs> that's funny. The Bible always like has these statements that it's not necessarily you need to say that. Like we kind of get that. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire, and it drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out. Look at what he says. My father, my father. My father, not my prophet, my prophet. My father, my father. Why? Because he was a spiritual father. Why is he asking for an inheritance? Because he believes as his son, as his spiritual son, he deserves the double portion. He deserves the inheritance. Father. And I, I don't think he's rejoicing when he says this. He's, he's, he's brokenhearted. The man that he served, that he's loved, his spiritual father is being taken from him. Violently. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, we see, oh, yay, bye. You know, they're not like waving like some little, you know, Saturday morning cartoon. Saturday morning cartoons aren't a thing anymore. I'm aging myself like always. It's just a Netflix cartoon. And he is violently taken away. And he's like, my father, my father, I see the chariots and chariot, charioteers of Israel and they disappeared from sight. So Elisha tore his clothes in distress. He is freaking out. He's stressing out. And he picks up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. He picks up his mantle. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan. Now it's time for a transition. And he struck with Elijah's cloak, stroked the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where is the Lord? Where is God, the God of Elijah? And the river divided and Elisha went across. But he was different. He was wearing something different. There was something on him. There was a blessing that was on his life that wasn't there before. And when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance, again, what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went out to him and bowed on the ground before him. Now, they weren't worshiping him. They were just honoring him. And at this moment, they start asking. They're like, where did Elijah go? Let us send some men to go look for him. Like maybe the the whirlwind dropped him off on a nearby mountain. So they went looking and these men went out searching and they couldn't find him. And then they came back and they said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. He was still Elisha, but he had something extra. He had something double. What is the double portion? Is it an increase in your bank account? No, you're missing it. You're materialistic. The double portion, first of all, is this replication. Replication, the same thing, being replicated, the Jordan, the miracles, right? He's acting like his dad. And in a, a replication, right? We see miracles of sickness and provision. We see all this again in the life of Elisha, just like we saw in Elijah. Replication would be, would be a, 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 an inherited skill set. I learned this from my dad, 
I learned my work ethic from my dad. My brothers learned my work ethic from their dad. It's replication. It's something that, that's transferred just by observing. It's skills. Your dad's a carpenter. I learned to be a carpenter from my dad. I learned to abuse drugs from my dad. I learned to look at porn from my dad. Are you seeing a trend here? I learned to treat my mom with respect and dignity from my dad. I learned to be kind to people that were rude to me from my dad. I learned to speak well of others from my dad. I learned to cuss like a sailor (laughs) from my dad. I didn't. But maybe you did. Replication. It's it's, It's part of the portion. It's part of what gets passed down. And this is the scary thing about double portion. I've seen this in spiritual sons of mine. I've seen that they don't just take my strengths. They take some of my weaknesses. So I spend like, then I get over the weakness and I come to them and I'm like, why are you so critical? And they're like, well, you taught me how to be critical. Ouch. But that's what we do with, with kids. We were looking at Judah last night. I was like, you look like your mom. It was just passed down. It was inherited. He didn't do anything. He just was around and, or wasn't around. In that case, just born. But he also kind of looks like my brothers. It's just crazy. But he doesn't look anything like me. It's so weird. All right. Replication. The next thing is this multiplication. So this is where it gets fun, right? So Elisha has, Elijah has seven miracles in his ministry that we have documented in the scriptures. Elisha, 14. Double. Double. Why? Because he has the double portion. So what the double portion is this. It's all that you have. Nathan's a spiritual son of mine. He's got gifts, abilities, things that I don't have. But there's also things that he lacks. But there's those things in me that I can give him. And he's got some of them. Like he's, I used to lead worship. He used to play with us in worship years ago. He's twice the worship leader I was. There's some of those skills that he learned that he had on his own. There's other stuff that got put on him. And so what does he have? He has double. He has all that he has, all that God has given him. But he's also got everything that I can give him. So do you see the double blessing? I know that you want to make it all spiritual and woo, goosebumps and all that stuff. But listen, the double portion is all that you have. Matt, all that you have and all that I can give you. Now you got double. And so what if we had? of people that were so in love with God and so serious about the blessing of God that they said, you know what? I know that God has blessed them, but I want to give them all of me. And I can tell you, I, I, I get around. When, when, you, when I was a youth pastor, I, it was so easy. But, but, but I've noticed something with men. Give me some grace here. I've noticed something with men. They don't like to learn anything. They like to do it on their own. You're missing a blessing. You're prideful. You need to humble yourself. I'm getting way ahead of myself. 
But they've never, especially in this day and age, n- no fathering whatsoever. Not, not at home, not spiritually. And anytime you try to correct them, they just, they throw it away. They, they're, they're there for the affirmation, but that's it. So when I was a, a student pastor, it's like, this is the way it is. If you don't like it, and they're like, no, I want to be here. With adults, it's like, all right, I got my own life. Do this. Run them off. It's frustrating. With, with, with a lot of men, they're not grown men. They're grown boys. And it's troubling. Guys, we've got to man up. And part of that is being able to get ourselves in a, in a, in a, around a father. When I say father, not necessarily in the natural, but around a father that will help us. And this independence that we have in our society is breaking the blessing. Because all that you have is your own blessing. You don't have the blessing from someone else. You've got to get beyond this. So the, the, the double portion is, is all that I have plus all that, is, that, that you have. And so this is why we do life together. It's because I can learn and grow in things that I, that I never would have dreamed. But because you've taken the time to spend with me. And I've taken the time to learn from you. Now I can be good, not just at the things that I'm naturally good at, but I can learn from you. And we could call this mentoring or whatever you want to call it. But it's a pattern that we see throughout the scriptures. And this impartation happens this way. It happens through discipling, through fathering, through mentoring. See, impartation must be given and received. So it's easy to... It's easy for the spiritual sons to look at the father and go, well, they just never gave me anything. They never invested in my life. Go after it. Maybe you've rejected it when it's came, when it's come. So impartation must be given, but it must also be received. You know, one of the things that, that we notice, that, that I notice sometimes is I'll say something. Has this ever happened to you? You say something and you're like, that's something my dad would say. Am I the only one? I've been like that with with my dad. I've looked in the mirror before and I thought, I kind of look like my dad just then. Has that ever happened to anyone? And it's like, my dad and I don't really look a lot alike. I mean, but but there's some some characteristics that that are there. And I'm like, oh, when I was a kid, I might not have liked it. Now I love it. I'm like, my dad's awesome. He's a champion. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I love it. I'm embracing it. But I've also done this with spiritual fathers and people that have, that have fathered me spiritual, spiritually. I'll say something in counseling or, or just in a conversation with somebody, and I'll say something. When it comes out, I'm like, man, that's just like Buster Russell would say. Or sometimes I'll say the same things that he said. Or I'll, I, even, even the, the couple of years we served under Richie Brown, sometimes I'll, I'll say something, and I'll say, that was just like, that sounds like some Richie Brown would say. That sounds like something Tony Dennis would say. Guys that have invested in my life spiritually. That is a compliment, beloved. That is not, that is not a problem. That's a good thing. You, you took something on that wasn't yours. You know, the disciples, they're meant to be insulting them when they were calling them Christians. <laughs> like, look at all these little Christ people. <laughs> they're like, come on, we'll take it. 
We are. We're just like Jesus. That's our goal. That's our aim. Paul even was so bold to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So we see this this process. We see it with Jesus and his disciples. Remember John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Oh, yeah. Replication. Even greater works. Multiplication. Now get this. You will never be able to regenerate a human. You'll never be able to make a person born again. That's the greatest miracle of all. But when he uses greater here, what he's saying is you will do more in multitude. You will, you will do more miracles than I did. Jesus had three years. Most of you have at least three decades left. Are you going to double up the miracles? Come on. Let me say this about the double portion. You're not going to get a double portion in a prayer line. Or by giving an offering to a preacher that you don't know, that doesn't know your name. You don't get a double portion that way. You don't get a, you don't get a double portion by sending in your money and getting a piece of a, somebody's mantle that they cut off. People just do weird things. You don't get a double portion that way. You know how you get a double portion? You get around someone that knows your name that will spend time with you, that will invest in your life. You're not gonna get a double portion by reading a book. You're not gonna get a double portion by searching Google. You're not gonna get a double portion by watching a YouTube video. You're not going to. You might learn some things. Some things might happen, but nothing will be transferred that is significant. You might get knowledge, but if you're not careful, knowledge will just make you puffy. You're not going to inherit a double portion by clicking here. (laughs) Just go ahead and delete that. So the inheritance of spiritual succession is really what we're talking about. It happens this way. I've got four things for you. You okay? I know this is, some of y'all like, man, this is kind of like, almost like leadership, life skills. Yes, It's all more spiritual than you've given it credit for. Number one is this initiation. 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 So in Elisha's case, Elijah found him. I I remember when I was probably 14 years old, and there's this guy named Tony Dennis who found me. Right? Right? But sometimes you don't find the father. The father doesn't find you. You go and find the father. And so whatever it takes to make that initiation happen, make it happen. So if you're going, if you feel like God's called, and listen, everything you do as a Christian is kingdom. You don't have to say you're a Christian lawyer or a Christian businessman. You're a Christian who's a businessman. Everything you do is for the kingdom. Everything you do. Listen, all of you, I ordain you. All of you are in the ministry. All of you, come on. You're in the ministry. Shaba, receive your portion. There you go. I'll, I'll make you a certificate if it makes you feel better. I'll even sign it. Maybe, maybe I'll sign it. Some of y'all, I'm not signing it. Let's just be real. I've seen what you post on Facebook. I'm not going to sign it. But you're in the ministry. So if you're going to be a lawyer, a Christian lawyer, I don't know how that's going to work. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. 
You're a kingdom lawyer. You're a lawyer in the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're working for a church or you're working for Chase Bank. It doesn't matter who you're working for. If you're a Christian, you're advancing the kingdom, right? So what do you do? You find someone who is godly that has been doing it for a little while. Someone that's more experienced than you. Someone that can tell you no. Someone that can speak into your life. Someone that is going to be blunt and honest with you. And not, and not be all sensitive all the time with you. Someone that's just going to shoot straight with you. Listen, it, doesn't, it does no good for you to be told lies and to make you feel better about yourself when you're doing something wrong. Can we just get over this like pansy spirit of the age? Just got to be careful. Make sure I don't offend anybody or I'm going to get canceled. So build, build a relationship with someone that is years ahead of you, that knows more than you. If you've got a calling on your life and ministry, get around someone that's, that's been doing it. This is what I found. When God calls me to do something, he's already put someone in my path. There's already someone in my life that's doing it. It's just, it's just his provision. So just open your eyes. It's probably already there. It's probably in the room today. The person you need to receive a portion from is probably in the room today. So initiate the conversation. The, yes. <laughs> See, the problem is, is most people are interested in showing off what they know instead of showing up to learn and grow. And so what I, what, this is kind of the problem that I have with being a, a lead pastor that I've been doing for nine years now is it's really hard to develop men because you get around them, they just want to talk about like they know everything. It's so annoying because I'm like, I, I'm sure that you have something to give me and there's, there's, we can grow from anyone. But it's like, I'm like your pastor and you're like, you're, you're, every time I get around you, you're just talking about how much you know. And you wonder why there's no more meetings. I'm just being honest. Like I've got, I've got something in me I want to give away, but but I, but I'm only going to give it away to someone that will receive it. Give me some grace here. Okay, initiation. Find someone. If you listen, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to fo just follow Jesus, I just need to follow God. I just need to obey the Lord. Get around somebody that's doing it. Get you a Josh sponsor in your life who will give you the, the sponsor smolder when you mess up. Come on. Ladies, get around a Christina Wright that will, that will speak that firm word into your life. Don't be so caught up in your way. You can do it your way, and, and at the end of your life, all you'll have is your way to show, or you can receive the blessing. Number two is dedication. Be persistent. Go after it. This is, this, is what, this is what I hear often. I really wanted to learn from them, but they never reached out to me. The phone rings both ways. It rings both the ways. I've got something in my pocket. My kids tag. Hey, shoot a text message. I'm just waiting for them to initiate it. 
you got to be persistent. Go after what is inside the people that are inspiring you. If you want to get equipped, show up. Set, you set the meeting. Hey, when can you get together? Hey, I would really like to get together with you this week. What does Tuesday at lunch sound like? That sounds fantastic. Let's do it. You set the meeting. Well, they just won't ever make, you set the meeting. Listen, I am so tired of setting up the meetings because I have something to give spiritual sons. Listen, I, I'm always looking for spiritual sons, but I'm tired of setting up the meetings because what happens, I set up the meeting and we go and we talk about Marvel movies or Star Wars. And we can talk about that stuff. I love it, but I have something to give you. Grace, give me some grace. This is what I found. When I find someone as as a spiritual father, and, and you will know the people in your life that are like this as well, whether that's me or someone else. But when I find someone that wants to learn, that's teachable, man, there's nothing I won't do. There's nothing I won't do for people like that. So I I spent an hour on Monday with a guy that I've had probably one in-person conversation with that when I was teaching at Christ for the Nations that I met him and he's like, hey, I feel like that we're supposed to plan a church, all this kind of stuff. So he's like, can I have 20 minutes? I was like, yeah. And guess what I did? I blocked out an hour. He didn't know I blocked out an hour and I just shared the stories. And we just talked about church planting. We talked about the ups and the downs and the difficulties and the process. I love doing that. I love investing in them. Why? Because he's teachable. We, we had a girl come over to our house a month ago because she wanted to learn graphic design. I'm like, oh, I know a little bit about that. So we had her over. We bought the dinner. <laughs> we sat down with her. She's there for two hours. And I'm just teaching her the whole time. Why? Because why, why, why would I do that? Why would I give that time? Because they want it. And when you find someone who's a spiritual father or a spiritual mother or a spiritual mentor, whatever language you want to use, they will be glad to give you what is inside of them. But you've got to be persistent. I'm having a lunch with a guy this week. I'm not going to say his name. He's in the room. And he's a guy that is hungry. Every time I get together with him, a lot of times I'll call the meeting because I know that he's going to get what I have to give him. So I'm like, He's, sometimes he's setting up the meeting, sometimes I am. Right? Why? Because he's teachable. But if I'm just getting there and I'm just like, he's like, I know everything. Let me tell you what I know. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, great, that's awesome. But I have, and sometimes I will go to those meetings and learn too. Let's just be real. I mean, I have my pastor that I go and I sit with. And I have my friend, Chad Benson, who's been a pastor for a lot longer than I have. And I sit in his office and I'm in his car and I take every minute and I'm taking notes and I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm going to show up to learn and grow, not tell him what I know. So the willingness to stay. Let, let, me, let, me, let me share on this. Listen, I know that this is the... Like, not a fun message, but, 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 but I, I think it will help you. So the thing that we, we see this trend with Elisha is he says, I will never leave you. <laughs> I mean, most of us be like, oh, he's, he's going to die. I might as well go ahead and start my own ministry now. Maybe I'll go ahead and take those other 50 prophets. And I'll, I mean, we, know the, we know the world. Don't even talk about him going away. He asked privately. He didn't go to the prophets and say, hey, maybe you guys will ordain me as the next leader. Mm-hmm. The willingness to stay. What, what is that? Number one is this, or A, for all of us outliners that are really bad at them, is this, endure correction. Endure correction. Listen, 
get this. If you can get this, it will really help you. Correction is a gift. When someone, there is no greater form of affirmation than correction. No greater form. Because it is not fun. I know this is a dad. I know this is a guy that's been in leadership for years. I hate correcting people. It is the worst thing in the world. Good fathers, good mentors, people that have been in it for, for the years, they don't enjoy it. I know that you think that people think they enjoy it. No, I've never met a good leader that enjoyed bringing correction. We hate it. We dread it. So when we bring it, it's like, oh, I know I don't want to make the phone call, but Lord, I know you want me to because I'm their pastor. Can somebody else be their pastor today? <laughs> correction is the greatest form of affirmation because I'm willing to go through what's uncomfortable for me to speak into your life. It's easy to, listen, it's a lot easier to do from the platform than it is one-on-one. Proverbs 12, one says this, to learn, you must love discipline. It's stupid to hate correction. The NIV actually says it this way. It's not as nice. It says, he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) So if you hate correction, fill in the blank. You You can write that down on your notes there. Don't be stupid. Love correction. And get this, accountability is not abuse. We've said this before. We've got this culture that's like, so everything's abuse, it's abuse. I'm suffering trauma. I'm not saying that there's not some of those things. Those are absolutely real things. I'm not being insensitive. But listen, someone correcting you is not abuse. It's love. Read your Bible, facts. Holding you accountable is difficult, but it's loving. Listen, you've got to find a person that can tell you no without you getting offended. Someone that can look at you and say, you could have done this better and you not get offended. I'll just tell you right now, if you come up to me and you're like, man, Josh, I, Pastor Josh, I want you to mentor me. I want you to pour into my life. I want to meet with you like twice a month. And if I correct you and you like get all offended and leave the church, that just goes to show that you, weren't, that you couldn't handle it. But if, I, if, if there's always resistance and always excuses every time you're corrected, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sow where I'm not going to reap. I just don't feel like it's a good investment. I'd rather find someone that's going to receive it. And so, yeah, I love Pastor Josh. He he comes to me. He's like, thank you for correcting me on that. I'm like, I wasn't correcting you. He said that to me multiple times. I'm like, I'm not correction. There's a difference between direction and correction. And the second is that follow direction, follow direction. So become a persistent sponge. When you get around that person, whoever that person is, you just, you're like a sponge. You get there, you write things down. <laughs> it never occurred to me when I have thousands and thousands of things in front of my face every day that I forget everything that I learn. <laughs> write it down. Get a running note in your phone. Just put how to be better and start making notes. Don't you want to be better? Man, I do. So I get around men that sharpen me. I get around people that sharpen me. Follow direction. Become a persistent sponge. Don't remove these two words from your vocabulary. I know it's so practical today. Remove these two words from your vocabulary. I know. Red flag. I was going to put a red flag on there. Red flag. Don't say I know. Ever. I was talking to a guy yesterday. And he said, I know about 14 times. I was about to hang up the phone. I was like, if you ever say, I know again, this will be the last conversation we have. Another thing is this, don't ask for advice and then do something different. 
I can't tell you how much good advice has been wasted over the last 30 years that, that I've seen. I think of some the good advice probably my dad had offered that took me a while to come back to him like years later and go, that was good advice. I should have listened. Listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk. Shut your mouth. Don't say I know. Please don't say I know. You'll know that. If you go, oh, yeah, I know. I'm going to be like, all right, bye. <laughs> all right. Number, this one is hard. Growing communication. Oh, communication is a big deal to Josh. No, communication is just a big deal. Because if communication doesn't happen, nothing happens. If communication doesn't happen, nothing happens. The problem is we got 5 billion different ways to communicate and nobody's communicating. Did you see my post on Facebook? No, I didn't see your post on Facebook because the algorithms are broken. <laughs> for me, they're broken. They're, I guess they're fixed for, for Instagram or Facebook. I didn't see your post. You've actually got to come tell me, hey, I'm really hurting right now. Not get on Facebook and go, I'm hurting, and expect me to see it. Communicate. Listen, I've served under some incredible people in my life, incredible men. None of them, not one of them, had the supernatural gift of reading my mind. None of them knew my intentions, not one. I had to go and say, uh, I'm struggling with this. And you know what they don't do? Because they're good fathers, they'll go, smack. You should never suffer. You struggle with that. They go, let me help you. The, your ability to communicate could be the one thing that will make or break your potential. Just the ability to communicate. Listen, you've got to learn. Beloved, under 30 years old in the room, listen to the sound of my voice. Learn to communicate. Learn to be authentic. Learn to be genuine. Learn to understand that message received is message sent. Reply to the text message. Reply, answer the phone call. I'll just text them. Damn. I can't talk. Only text Sorry, we need to hurry. Third is this, cultivation and perspiration. Cultivation and perspiration. Work the ground through servanthood. Just serve that person. What can I do? Elisha burned the plows, the plows, 12 of them, 12 yoke of oxen. He was probably loaded financially. He burned it all to serve, to become the attendant of a prophet. And get this, serving is not implementing your ideas or playing to your strengths. It's laying all that down and saying, what do you need? Serve. What do you need me to do? Well, this is what I need. Well, I don't really do that. I guess you'll need to find another father. I mean, that is just the way it is. And do that for a while. Well, I've already done that. Well, you might just have to do it again. When we started this church, we had to start from scratch. I mean, I had plenty of years in ministry. I mean, I, there should have been like already this many people in our church when we started because of my experience. But guess what? It don't work that way. You got to start from the bottom. Listen, don't expect the power of Elijah unless you're, you're, you are willing to serve like Elisha. And some of you, you want the power and you want the glitz and you want the microphone, you want, but you're not willing to serve. You're not willing to do anything. You're not willing to die to yourself. So Pastor Leslie, I'm just going to take a little bit of time today. Pastor Leslie started writing books a couple years ago. She's really good at it. 
And uh, she's, I haven't read the book. She's read them to me. It's just not really my jam, but I love my wife. So she read them to me and I'm like, fall in love with the characters and cry and all the things. So there's this author that she really likes and she lives in the area and her name's Becky Wade, right? So Becky Wade's like, I'm looking for people to be on my launch team. And so Leslie's like, I'll be on your launch team. And so she gets on there. She starts talking to her. She's on her launch team. She's helping her, all this kind of stuff, going to these meetings, super inconvenient for, for the Brown House. <laughs> Not really. We were excited. But it was just, it was an investment that she's had to make. Willing to do, and if you know Leslie, she'll serve, she'll go over the highest mountain for anybody. She's just such a servant. And so she's serving Becky Wade. So last, this past week, was it this past week, babe? Last Monday, Becky Wade reached out to her and she said, hey, I would like, to, this is the second time she done it. She's like, I would like to get together with you. I'm like, this woman's like winning awards. She's an award-winning author. I mean, she's like big time. I mean, to me, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, you wrote a wrote book, make girls cry. It's great. Right? <laughs> this is what I think. <laughs> no big deal to me, but I mean, she's really good, I guess. I don't know what would be good or bad. I don't know why books are good. They made me cry. So they make me cry. And so she says at this meeting, she goes and she tells Leslie, she says, she said, I have this group, but the group's too full. I would like to pull away from that group and invest in you. Why? Because she was willing to serve. Because she's willing to put the perspiration in. Because she's willing to cultivate the relationship. So the process of succession just looks like this. And by the way, succession or success without succession is failure. So we can get all these things. We can get all the stuff, all the information. And if we don't pass it along, think about how good the church would be right now, how powerful the church would be if it was from generation to generation. Think about it if the, if the sons and daughters of the disciples were doing a good job with their sons and daughters. And think of if someone never broke the chain. So we got to start again. And we're building another chain. So I think in this room, there are men and women that'll be way better at revelation than I am. That'll be way better preachers than I am. And you know what I'll do? Is I'll sit back and I'll applaud and I'll amen their messages. And I'll be like, I'm glad I could give you some of what I had. And there's graphic artists in the room and they'll be way better than me. And I'll say, you know what? I'm glad I was able to give you what I knew. I'm not the best, but I gave you everything I had. And now you're way better than me. And that's the heart of every real father. So success without succession is failure. Number one is this. We know initiation. Number two, dedication. Number three, cultivation and perspiration. That's serving. And number four is impartation. So receiving a portion is not impressive. It's not impressive to receive a portion. Man, I learned so much from this person. That is not impressive. It takes no maturity to be a son. None. But it does to be a father. It does to be a mother. And so our job is to take the inheritance that we receive and build it into our life and serve and cultivate and then give it to somebody else and grow them as we continue to grow. And we're just learning and it's a cycle of impartation. It's a cycle of blessing. 
Because success without succession is failure. So the end of Elisha's life. We're closing. Finally. The end of Elisha's life. He's dead. He's in a grave. There's still something in him. Check it out. Then Elisha died, 2 Kings 13, and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. And once while some Israelites were buying, burying a man, not buying a man, burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. His dead body laying in a grave. They take this other dead body, throw it in, not realizing that Elisha's bones are in there. His body hits the bones and the man that was dead came to life. He was revived and jumped to his feet. Can I tell you that God wants to build a legacy in your life? It's not just about receiving. And sometimes, sometimes you've got to be a blessing before you get blessed. And some of you just need to start paying for it. Will you just stand up? Listen, I I am going to pray for you today. And I I do want want to invest some seed in the room right now. But impartation isn't going to happen because we pray for you. It might come in seed form. It might come in seed form, but but it'll be up to you to grow it. But I believe right now in seed form, it comes like this, calling. Can you just lift your hands and surrender? Lord, I will do, if you're saying today to Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do. It doesn't matter if you're 13. It doesn't matter if you're 73. But Lord, I am surrendered to your purposes.